Hello, welcome to Embrace the Grain Photography Podcast. I'm Jake. And I'm Sherry. This podcast is for all photographers interested in film, digital, and the gear that goes with the craft of photography. It doesn't matter what camera you're shooting, but be warned, we focus heavily on analog. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to episode 82 of Embrace the Grain. And yes, I checked to make sure I had it right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Welcome to the show tonight. We have Jake back. Hello. We have double trouble. One (laughs) is an unrecovering addict and the other is the BKP. It's Sam (laughs) Warner and Betsy Carl. <laughs> hey guys. Hi guys. Good to, good, good to have you on. <laughs> How's it going tonight? <laughs> going great. How are you guys? Good, good. Good, good. So, Jake, um, how was your week? <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Other than the introduction of uh, COVID into our household, uh, it's been pretty uneventful for me. Uh, did some working from home, of course, and uh, yeah, not much photography, unfortunately, but yeah, it's been going pretty well. How about you, Sherry? Um, I haven't been doing a whole heck of a lot of shooting, probably because I every year about this time I get, I call it the springtime blast. It's not spring, mm-hmm. but it's coming, but maybe it isn't. It might snow some more. <laughs> <laughs> So I have always thought this year, time of year I have trouble shooting. Um, but I did sell one more camera. I still have a few more listed, but uh, the one that sold was the one that I got lots of ha ha ha. Nobody's gonna buy that for that price. Comments. That oh, was geez. the one that sold. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> um, I did a little shooting today. I got about. 10 frames left on my frugal roll and I have about uh 10 frames left on my roll of Kent mirrors so I better get shooting and finish those off anyway mm, hear you there yeah, yeah so Sam I hear you've been trying to clean up your collection as well have you found any treasures you didn't know you had um, actually I, I did, you know, I buy a lot of cameras, uh, I think as a lot of people know, and some of them are, are good deals and some of them I get, and I think they're good deals and they end up not working. And I spent some time the last few days, just, just taking them off the shelf, putting batteries in, checking them out and found a few that I think for whatever reason I thought didn't work and it turned out they're fine. So, um, you know, that's been a plus. And then uh, there was one that had a, a pretty easy fix. I was able to repair it myself, and that felt like a major win. Um, nice. But, yeah, I've been selling some. Um, in fact, I sold two last night, and we'll be putting more up on eBay and Facebook Marketplace here in the next couple of days. Great, great. Good stuff. So what treasures did you find? Well, my X570 had an issue where it would um, – you know, after four or five frames, it would kind of jam. 
and I would have to take the bottom plate off and kind of jiggle a lever under there and it would take off again. And through YouTube University, I found it was just a simple adjustment on one of the screws and uh, made that adjustment and got a dummy roll of film that I'll fire through the camera just to make sure that all the functions and movements work and put that dummy roll through it five times without a jam and it's been fine ever since. So that's going to be the next one that I load up with film and take it out. I kind of have a fondness for the manual focus Minolta cameras. Yeah. 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 They're great cameras for not a lot of money. Right. One system that I haven't really gotten into. Thankfully I just don't really need to have another one. (laughs) (laughs) That was my, my first manual focus 35 millimeter camera uh, was an X370. Um, And so I started, I think, collecting the Minolta uh, manual focus cameras before I did Canon and Nikon. And I think that's just why I have an affection for them and why I've uh, built around that system versus the other two. Yeah, makes sense. I uh, I went the same way with Nikon Sam. I uh, I started with a D3000 and I, it's been all Nikon since. Well, until I got into film cameras and started buying everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have that I same do, problem. <laughs> yeah, I do have. I always really wanted the Minolta uh, Maxim 7000. And I've, mm. I've purchased three of them, and they all came with really great lenses. And the first one didn't work. <laughs> the second one didn't work. The third one did work for about half a roll of film, and then it died. Oh, jeez. So oh. I got ticked off and went and bought a Sony A-mount digital camera. And I have all the lenses I need for it. <laughs> yeah. Problem well, solved. I have three of those 7,000s that, that work great. That was actually a really smart move. Yeah, they fit right on there. They're good lenses. Why why waste them? Yeah, yep. true. Yeah. So. Yeah, I guess you can always buy maybe a, uh, a Maxim 9. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, I mean, that would go real well with those lenses, Sherry. It probably would, but I'm trying to sell stuff. So, gee. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to clean up the collection. Fair. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, have uh, either of you guys tried anything new uh, photographically lately? Any uh, new film techniques, subject matter, etc.? Um, I finally set up the um, studio lights that I had purchased from someone last fall and okay. like played with those a little bit. Awesome. Um, a couple, uh, couple soft boxes. A couple of soft boxes. They're, um, you know, okay. I'm gonna show how inept I am. They're, they, they don't sync like a flash. It, you know, you turn the lights on and, and there they are. Um, <laughs> right. They're yeah. really, really nice. They're really, really nice lights. Um, I am the first to admit I don't have a great understanding of artificial light and how to use it. Um, with either digital or film. So I'm looking for, you know, I, I shot um, 
one roll of my frugal film using the light and I'm having fun playing with it and, and learning, trying to figure out on my own what I'm doing. Right. Doesn't necessarily mean I'm, su- I'm succeeding out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, think, uh, though, you made a great choice with the continuous lighting because then you can see immediately where right. it falls and well, you're not guessing on a strobe. Good point. And, and that was, it was a matter of that. It was, it was a matter of that, but it was also to be very honest with you. It was what was offered to me. These were, um, B&H still sells the lights. When the person purchased them 15 years ago, he spent $900 on a set of two lights. With Ouch. Oh, wow. I bought the, I bought the pair for $75. Wow. Uh, and they were, that. and I don't, and I do not think he ever used them. The only thing that, and I thought when I took the lights that I grabbed the bag that the light stands were in, but I did not. Instead, what I have is <coughs> that I thought were light stands when I got home and didn't realize it until I finally set it up is, you know, those, um, it kind of looks like a chair that you put together and it's like, um, like frosted plastic. Like you use it, people use it for um, still life setups. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I, I have, I also, they gave me one of those. <laughs> so I had to spend another $30 and I found the exact light stands that would have gone with the kit used on used photo prom. <laughs> <laughs> That's still a great deal. Yeah. Absolutely. Abs- yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so but, those should uh, provide you with a little fun. Absolutely. I, I hope so. Like I said, is it, it'll give me the opportunity to figure out artificial lighting more. It'll give me the opportunity of maybe trying some portrait work. You know, mm. beyond Fred, sit here and let me shine a flashlight in your face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, is your um, winter months? like ours betsy where you only have a few hours of daylight we have more hours of daylight than you i'm i'm on the east coast so um in in the mid-atlantic states so we're it's not nearly what you experience um and this summer we had some snow but we didn't have a boatload of snow right right Mm. You're in yeah. New Jersey. Yep. Yeah. Right. So I what, live I live right off of um the largest state forest in New Jersey. It's called Wharton State Forest. It's a hundred thousand acres, and our claim to fame is we got the Jersey Devil roaming it. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you doing out there in those woods? <laughs> you you know something you would think that it would be like a it's very different um than probably what you folks experience in canada or, or even sam in ohio because it is um very sandy soil so it's not this forest that's full of these beautiful deciduous trees 
it is full of scrub pine. So for the first dozen or so times you go out shooting, it's a lot of fun, but then you start trying to find the Jersey devil to liven things up a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, we actually have quite a bit of sand here too, Betsy. (laughs) But you don't have an ocean. (laughs) We definitely do not have an ocean. (laughs) Couple, yes. A couple of kilometers away from that. Yeah, but uh, we have some really nice stinky sloughs if you want water. <laughs> oh, oh, that doesn't sound fun. Uh, not really. <laughs> now, Jake, do you live near Sherry? I very much do not. No, uh, <laughs> I'm on the uh, the opposite side of the country. I'm in uh, New Brunswick. I'm I'm like a hundred kilometers from the uh, New Brunswick uh, main border. Oh, okay. So if you go all the way up the east coast and just follow the line, you'll yep. end up in New Brunswick. Okay. Now, so that's not near like. Toronto or anything. Uh, no, I, I it's 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 how ignorant I am of geography. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> no problem at all. No, uh, Toronto is about uh, 1,200 kilometers west, so that would be like probably pretty close to a thousand miles. Okay. Yeah, so it's okay. it's a good drive. Yeah, probably if I jumped gotcha. in the car, it would take me what uh, five days to drive to Jake's. <laughs> it, it would it would take a long time yeah 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 we are closer to the rocky mountains think Beth. that's pretty yeah. cool it yeah. must be beautiful it is it's uh you can get there in about uh six hours you can get to the mountains so that wow. would be nice yeah so maybe this summer we'll actually get to go <laughs> yeah how about how about you sam have you tried any new uh things with your photography lately yeah i um a few weeks ago i got an 8 by 10 camera so that's new um i've been shooting a lot of large format here lately um got a backpack that i can fold it up and take it hiking with me so a few weeks ago we went to hocking hills um it's a couple hour drive from where we live uh, got a couple really great shots that I'm happy with there uh, with the 8x10. Um, it's a 1902 model and it came with a brass lens with no shutter. Um, so it's um, you kind of have to use your hand or a hat or something like that as a shutter. But I've been shooting x-ray film on it and then making contact prints in the darkroom. And I'm just in love with the whole process. Um, I got a, a 5x7 about the same time that's more of a studio camera. And then uh, just this week, I picked up a 4x5 version of my 8x10. So just kind of dive in headfirst into the large format. Cool. Good cool. stuff. So, uh, Betsy. I adore your posts. Like, yes. Ah, well, thank you very much. Me too, Betsy. I, I just don't. Every time you post pictures, I jones. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. That's very nice. So, uh, Betsy, what have you been shooting besides cute puppies lately? 
<laughs> well, I did shoot some cute puppies on film yesterday. We'll have to see. <laughs> yeah, you've got a great I, subject okay, there. Okay, yeah. We, oh, she's she is very cute, very sweet, and um, a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Um, basically. I have I have such a backlog of things I have to develop. You folks actually kind of last night shamed me into developing, and I went and developed two rolls of black and white last night that are hanging and waiting to be scanned. Nice. But I've got I have so much. I probably have like six or seven rolls of color film between thirty five millimeter and one twenty to develop, and because I have in the past somehow cross-contaminated, you know, blicks into developer and ended up with a roll of film with nothing on it. I literally uh, get anxiety at the thought of developing color film. Oh, no. Oh. Like, I, I don't enjoy it. I wait every single time, like, oh, uh -oh. God, is it going to come out? Oh, God, is it going to come out? Oh, thank goodness it came out. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh here's what i do to my bottles um the bottles all look the same and the labels all look the same but on the caps i took a sharpie marker and i put a great big uh d on one and a b on the other one and an s on the other one i absolutely that's what do i did that. with mine too but yeah i i still you know once you've had failure like massive failure, not even like a, oh, I could have done a better job developing, but like, holy moly, there's nothing on here. It kind of, you know, I could live my life shooting black and white very happily. <laughs> <laughs> I know one time I pulled a roll out and I went, oh, there's nothing on it. It's completely blank. So then I pulled the second roll out expecting the same. Uh, but it had images, so I'm thinking it was the film. So yeah. I'm thinking Weird. somebody no. had opened, it was film my mom gave me, and she goes, oh, it was in the camera when I bought it. And I'm thinking, mom, somebody's opened it and exposed it, and it was no good when you started. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Your poor mom. <laughs> Says I don't have anything for you. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but oh well. Yeah. Yeah. It, it it happens to all of us at some point. It does. It does. So don't be so scared of it. Over, who wants to come over and develop the color film for me? I'll make yeah. you a great dinner. <laughs> Well, you're going to send me a plane ticket. <laughs> okay. Pick me up at the airport. <laughs> Not a problem. Yeah, I'll do it if you pay for my flight. <laughs> you know, I was so anxious the first time I developed color film, which was only maybe a year, year and a half ago. Um, and uh, you know, fortunately, I've never had any problems, but um, I, I really had myself worked up about it. Yeah, I mean, trying something new always has its risks, I guess. Yeah, it can happen. It, yeah. It's, it seems, 
And I know, Sherry, like, I know you start, you started with color film versus black and white, correct? I did. The very first roles I ever did were color. Mm. See, you know, I admire you so much. But if I can do it, anybody can. Well, yeah. we, we can all say that, but, it's, uh, but you know, <laughs> Betsy's blunders can and will happen. <laughs> I have my blunders with black and white. Maybe that's why I don't like it. I have blunders with what all of the it? above. I was going to say, I kind of, I hate it everywhere. What a, <laughs> oh, yeah. One of my goals, though, for this spring is when I bought those lights, I also bought a um, super speed graphic from the same person. Oh, cool. Um, it's, and I would really, again, I need to screw up my courage, but I'd like to try, you know, I want to clean that up and shoot it. That was that was actually basically you guys you all would have loved this. They were cleaning out their father's house and he was a hoarder of photographic equipment. Oh my. So I just when I got there, I was just so overwhelmed. But he had some other large format cameras and they were with lenses, they were all at great prices. But I was so overwhelmed. I did it, yeah. and I knew nothing about large format to try to figure out, okay, is this something I can use? What should I do here? What should I do there? And I finally said, you know, I'm, I really like photojournalism. Like, so you want a press camera? And I said, yeah. He goes, you're going to have to clean it, but I got it in the basement. And I said, oh, okay. And he came up with it. He handed it to me. He goes, it's $100. And I said, not a problem. Sold. My husband is like thinking, what the heck is she doing now? And then <laughs> he, went, he went on to say to me, but with it, since you like press cameras, you have to take these too. And along with that speed graphic came three Mamiya press cameras and one freaking Holga. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so the, so Betsy, the, uh, the Holga is the first one you shot, I'm guessing. Um, I shot it. No, I shot it once on Holga Week, and I have to find a box to wrap it up and mail it to Sam because he's getting it. <laughs> Jeez, what Sam do I, to you? <laughs> well, Sam says he likes Holgas. <laughs> yeah, they're they're fun, Betsy. They yeah, I, I don't mind them the way some people do, but I mean, you I, know I, something. Sorry, go ahead, Betsy. Go ahead. Um, Sam was nice enough to send me a brownie. And once you've played with a brownie, why would you ever waste your time on a holga? The brownie <laughs> is so cute and lovable and fun. <laughs> the brownies really are cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you, was... you started something there, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> I have two brownies. And I had left one out on the counter. And when I got up in the morning, it was on the floor. The cat had decided it was a toy. Oh, and no. he, he cracked it. Oh, damn. I picked it up and it rattled. And I thought, this isn't good. And yeah, yeah. there's a chip gone out of it. So. Oh, that sucks. Uh, damn. Well, I still got one more. But 
good thing is, is they're cheap and they're all over the place. The good thing about brownies that is, is true. not a super, they're not an expensive camera to replace. No. no. So I have one for parts. <laughs> <laughs> so Betsy, you also got a, a brownie bullseye, correct? because of you you sent me <laughs> one brownie and then i saw your bullseye and i'm like oh i have to have it <laughs> i tell you what for for basically a box camera that thing just impressed the hell out of me it really did yeah i saw your uh, pictures I, that you took with that sam awesome pictures yes oh, i was looking at them and i was going do I want a bullseye? <laughs> no, no, I don't. Actually, I don't want do. any more. <laughs> no. no, you do. Like, here's here's the thing. My brownies and no other camera has ever achieved this status. The brownies are on the mantle in the family room because they're so cute. <laughs> <laughs> they really are. Yeah, honestly, I think probably a lot of people buy them just for the look of them, even if they're not necessarily into shooting film. Yes. Yes. And then did you see who the, the guy who does the Holga mods? He paints the brownies in all kinds of wild colors. Mm. Oh, I got to try that. I, like, is... I, gotta, I am dying to pick up, uh, you know, find a, find a brownie that needs love and, and try it. <laughs> Is that Randy? Randy at Holga Mods? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I picked up a, a bullseye and a hawkeye that both need a lot of love. And I thought, you know, for the price um, and the condition that they're in, you know, they're not worth keeping the original condition because they're, they're pretty scuffed up and a little bit of rust. And I thought these are perfect candidates to try that project. Right. So are you going to do that yourself, Sam, or send them away? Oh, I'll do it myself, but it's yeah. um, uh, probably a little lower on the list, a long list of uh, photography projects I have, but <laughs> they'll be there for, you know, maybe next winter when it's cold and you can't get outside and do much. It'd be a good time to do it. Right. Yeah, right. Sure. Okay. So, uh, yeah, so this week is been a rather big week in the film photography world with the release of two new color stocks so gold 200 and 120 and still 400 dynamic what do you guys think of the new releases i think it's exciting um i, I mean wait. i really liked Kodak i can't wait gold to get my 200. hands on that 200 yeah <laughs> yeah agreed yeah really exciting stuff I said that uh, here in Canada, Walmart carries the gold 235. I wonder if they'll carry it in 120. And if they did, it would be a dream come true because I could buy 120 film locally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that yeah, would be awesome. Um, you know, I the segue from the, the Kodak brownies into that 120 golden is uh, just perfect because that, mm -hmm. that film would be fantastic in, in the brownies. Right. Sure would, yeah. I'd also like to try the Cinestel stuff to see what it looks like, too. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, is it, for sure. Is it going to have the, the look of, like, the movie film? Or is it something totally different? It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I, I think it's 250D, right? I'm 
thinking so, but without the halation layer on it, so you can just yeah. so, process so it normally. Yeah, exactly. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sure you'll probably get a little halation like you do with the uh, the 800T. But I mean, it's it's just awesome to have a brand new color stock on the market. I yeah, mean, it's rare, it's it's rare enough that we get one released in a day. I mean, two is is unheard of recently. Yes. But to be fair, this episode isn't going to be released for a couple of weeks, so this is all going to be old news. <laughs> yeah, that, is, that is true. Yeah, hopefully people will. Uh, hopefully people will be able to buy some by then. I know, I know. I keep seeing um, uh, people of like the people that are going to be selling it have put in their orders for it. So hopefully by then they'll have it and we can get some of it. I hope so, yeah. Wouldn't it be nice to have it for Pinhole Day? Oh, it'd be great. So tell us about Pinhole Day and when is it? it I think it's the last Sunday April in April. 10. Okay. Okay. That's, that's one thing that I've never done personally is Pinhole. I do have a Pinhole camera and I've never used it. <laughs> I guess the last Sunday in April is your time, Sherry. That's right. I don't know. I might be busy out in the field that day. <laughs> yeah. I, I suppose it is you know, getting to that time, isn't it? With you. Ah, there you go. Yeah, but everything moves fast. <laughs> Tape it to the front of the tractor. Maybe I'll get something cool. You yeah, I was going to say, that's uh, one of the cool things about pinhole is all that motion blur. So you would get some really great shots with it attached to your tractor. But the thing is, if I did that, with my luck, something like what happened to Neil Piper would happen, mm -mm. and it would fall <laughs> off, and I'd run over it. <laughs> yeah. That would be yep. the end of it. Yeah. Oh, poor guy. <laughs> he had a bad time. <laughs> yeah, yeah I was for out, sure. I was out scouting locations for pinhole yesterday. <laughs> You're getting ready. Oh, yeah. May um. I'm one of my, I'm a road, like during this warm months, I'm a road cyclist. So um, I'll pack a camera with me and, and go shoot. And a, my riding buddy, um, we found a bridge that was closed to through traffic because I guess it's unsafe, but we didn't let that stop us. We just jumped the barrier with our bikes and rode up to the top of the bridge. It's great. You get you have a great view of um, a railroad track that's active with the train and everything. And I'm like, oh, uh, this is this screams pinhole day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds that sounds awesome. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I was shooting a lot of pinhole back in in January and February, so um, I'm all geared up from it. I know Ethan Moses had a kind of a do-it-yourself kit uh, for eight by ten, where you by this uh, pinhole camera that was cut out, like laser cut and plywood and put it together and glue it together. Then it just takes a eight by 10 film holder. And um, so I assembled that in uh, January and been shooting it a little bit and it's a lot of fun. Right. Good stuff. Yeah. You did a very nice job with the fit and finish of it. Oh, like, thank didn't you. Didn't you stain yours and everything? Yeah, stained it, and uh, the stain didn't come out as well as I would have hoped, but I think what I may end up doing is just putting a bunch of photography stickers over it because, you know, it's going to be sitting on the ground and probably get knocked around anyway, but 
Uh, it's a really cool kit that if anyone's interested in pinhole, what I highly recommend. It's uh, super easy to put together. And Ethan answered any questions that I had very quickly. He was just fantastic to work with. So I highly recommend the kit. So I have a question about pinhole. You guys can probably answer. On the back of my pinhole camera, there is no red window, but there is a hole. Now, they say it doesn't affect anything, but I would think you're letting in a whole lot of light. I would think you would, too. I've never seen one like that before. So I'm what going. What kind of pinhole is it? It's a handmade one that a fellow okay. made. And he, he's, he, he gave all the information for using like HP5 in it. And, he, and I says, well, shouldn't the back be covered? No, it, it, it's, it shoots just fine as is. And I'm going, I'm thinking I might just cover that with some gaffer's tape. Now, <laughs> is that something that you guys would recommend? Uh, actually, Absolutely. what I, I think I would do is you can buy this like red film. It looks like like red transparency mm -hmm. at, a, at a craft store and just mm -hmm. cut a little square of that and use gaff tape on the inside and cover it up. And then you can still use it. It'd be kind of like a red window on, um, you know, a normal uh, box camera. I think I used for one of my cameras that was missing the red window, you know, that um, red tail light tape. Yeah, that would probably work. Ooh, it's a good it's idea. Creative. It's yeah. already adhesive. So I yeah, I used that. I've uh, got a Zeiss folder um, where the red window was broken out of it. And, you know, without having to kind of guess how far to wind it since it doesn't have a stop. But I used the the red film and it worked just fine. Hmm. Okay. I didn't get any uh, you know, bleed through from the backing paper or anything on the negatives, and so it, I guess it blocked enough light. Good. 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 Good to know. So, can you guys give anybody that shoots that hasn't shot pinhole before a couple tips? Um, I will say I do make use of the um pinhole app on my phone okay. which lets you like um for example you can either use um what the aperture is of your camera or in my case it gives a whole list of different commercially available pinholes and i have an ondo so i just click on what model ondo i have and then you can um Either use a generic film speed, like just say, you know, color 100, but it also gives by several different brands and types of film. And it kind of is like um, basically a handheld light meter. You just point your camera on your phone towards whatever you're going to take a picture of, and it tells you what the exposure time is. Okay. Great so tip. So I use that because... Sometimes a regular light meter doesn't, you know, doesn't go up to an F-165 or something like that. And I get confused with the math. <laughs> <laughs> I readily admit I can be a simpleton, guys. <laughs> uh, right there too. with you. Math is not my strong suit. <laughs> no, me neither. All right. Yeah, I, I guess the advice I would give is... Um, if you think your your camera is too close to your subject, you're probably wrong. Uh, you could go closer. 
um, most pinhole cameras are pretty wide angle and you know you might think you're close and then by the time you develop your film you realize your subject is way far away mm-hmm. so it is i'd say advice get as close as you can and then the second set of advice is to uh, look up the reciprocity tables for your film so kind of what i did is on a notepad i looked up all the reciprocities for the films i normally shoot and then i took a photo of it so it's in my phone and then when i'm calculating my exposure you know i've got it just right there for whatever film i might be shooting great idea okay and oh. and here we have the difference between the simpleton and the person who knows what they're doing <laughs> <laughs> I, I think i would go with betsy's method because <laughs> i'm not into f- sitting and figuring out all the math <laughs> <laughs> Uh, one thing I was going to ask about Sam. the <laughs> <laughs> one thing I was going to ask about the app, Betsy, does does that ca- uh, calculate the reciprocity? Uh, I believe it does. Okay. I believe it does. Cool. Okay. Um, okay. And I kind of um, started with pinhole. I first bought a Holgo wide pinhole camera. I hated it so much. <laughs> I used it once. And I sold it to Sam. <laughs> oh, now we know and where then, Sam's getting all these holgas. <laughs> well, and you and know, then, I used it once, and then I had ended up selling it just because I went for a while without shooting pinhole, and I wanted other cameras. So I thought, well, I need to raise some funds. But I now own another one. <laughs> so what do you what do you think of the holga pinhole, Sam? Um, you know, it's it's good if you. I guess realize some of its limitations. Um, the instructions aren't very clear on how to set it up. So I think the first couple rolls I shot, I had overlapping frames. Uh, but once I got that straightened out, it's not bad. It's really light. Uh, so that's kind of a problem too. You have to really make sure you have it, you know, on a good tripod. Otherwise, there's almost no way to open and close the shutter without moving it. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the lightness is, you know, it's, um, I guess a benefit if you're hiking or carrying it around with your other cameras, but when you go to use it, you know, you really need to keep it stable. And then um, if you're pointing it anywhere near the sun, you're going to get like a flare. And some people really like that look, you know, I don't. So if it's, um, you know, a really bright sunny day, I typically won't shoot it or I'll make sure the sun is at my back. But other than those three things, um, I think it's great. I think it's a really interesting format. And, you know, I've never had any problems with it not working. Those are 612. Yeah, it can be 6 by 12 or I think 6 by 9. Okay. Uh, there's like a, a mask that you can put in. So oh. when it's 6 by 12, mm-hmm. how many frames do you get? Is it like 5, I think? Yeah, sounds I, right. I can't remember exactly, but I think 5. Andu's the mul- it has the masks for multi format and I can do six by twelve and you're right, it's five. Okay. okay. Yeah, the Andus are really nice and the reality's so subtle. I mean, even though I've got multiple pinhole cameras, I'm still kind of lusting after one of those. Well, I two years ago when we did the when one of the Frugal Film Project films was um the the Lomo eight hundred. Mm-hmm. And remember, I got the bad batch from Australia. 
mm-hmm. that it just was horrible. And so I found Lomo 800 and 120, but I kept saying to Sherry, Sherry, I don't have a 120 camera that was $50 or less. And she's like, well, you need to go shopping. And I'm like, I don't want to spend money on that. <laughs> <laughs> so Dustin Nickerson said, I got you covered. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, $6 and 25 cents. And I go, okay. That's and definitely frugal. Me. Yes. He 3D printed me a pinhole camera. Oh, awesome. awesome. And and I used it. And you know something? For as simple and it, I still use it. My son, my son stole it and took it to to college. And I said, When are you gonna let me I I go, where's the film for me to develop? He's like, I'm kind of nervous because we set it up at a party and just like kept changing the film every 30 minutes. He goes, It might have bad things on it, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> so in other words, he took that one to a lab. <laughs> uh, no, he he just has the film. <laughs> Well, probably the good thing is, is whatever's on there is going to be blurry. So, you know, <laughs> true. Exactly. You, you he know, might be safe it, a little bit. But the but my point in this is Dustin got me started in really liking pinhole to the point like my husband likes playing pinhole. My kid likes playing pinhole. So then, you know, he, Dustin was kind of like the drug dealer because then he goes, I got this on multi you know it's ondu 120 multi-format whatever it's called where i can mask it so it's six by six six by nine and six by twelve and i said oh he goes why don't you buy it from me yeah i think i need it (laughs) (laughs) and you know those are pretty cameras the cool thing about pinhole is you can make a pinhole camera out of just about anything I mean, you can really, I mean, it can be a box, it can be a can, um, and you can experiment with it. You know, you can use 35 millimeter, 120, you can use photo paper if you have a dark room and make paper negatives and then do contact prints. But, you know, about, um, this is going to sound really strange, but about 17 years ago, before I was really into film photography, I built a pinhole camera. I had a bunch of woodworking equipment and made this really nice um, wooden pinhole camera I work in a machine shop, so I had a coworker take some shim stock and, you know, drill like a 16,000th hole in it. So I had this really nice actual pinhole, and I never shot it. You know, it just sat on the shelf and just kind of looked pretty for the last 17 years. And I decided to get it down and play with it uh, over winter. And the thing takes amazing photos, and I can't believe it's just been sitting around like all this time, you know, because I didn't have a dark room for years. And... It, that's kind of what got me really interested back into pinhole again. And cool. now I'm, you know, kind of looking at like, gosh, why can I turn into a pinhole? You know, it's uh, some of these curved plane pinhole cameras look really cool, but you can take a soup can or a paint can or anything and make it into a pinhole and experiment with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen people, uh, I've, I'm totally blanking on the name of it right now, but uh, like people take like soda cans and they'll do like, uh, it's something solar, but they track like the movement of the sun. Is that yeah. a solar can? Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's it's super cool what you can do. 
So if you want to see something that really kind of blow your mind, look up cracker camera, cracker pinhole camera, cracker camera. But there's this, uh, I guess I want to say I'm probably going to get this wrong, but I think it was someone in South America, maybe Argentina or Chile. Um, and this gentleman was doing this and he passed away and to kind of honor his memory, a bunch of other people said, let's do this. Let's, you know, kind of get this out there. But he would take saltines and you know how saltine crackers have like the multiple holes in them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they would, I don't know if they put tape on the inside and then punched a hole where each one of those holes were in the cracker and then just basically make a cardboard box with like black gaff tape and, uh, you know, seal up a piece of film in it. But each one of those holes would turn into a lens. So then you end up with this image with, say, like 16 of your images on it. Huh. And it's it's really interesting. But I think if you Google like cracker pinhole camera, um, you'll you'll see it come up and people use graham crackers for it and all that kind of stuff. But it, it's just something that you can make out of stuff you have in your house. And uh, that's one of the projects that's on my list. Huh. That is incredibly cool. I've never heard of that before. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I'm going to so, have to dig into that after. Yeah. Um, so I guess this is a good time for us to stop and take a quick break. Anything else you want to add before we do that? I think we're good. Okay. I'm good. Okay. Mm. We will be right back. We are back. So, yeah, we had a little bit of a really good conversation during the break. And Sam says, you mean you didn't record all of that? And I says, no, (laughs) I had to go to the bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) And you don't want to hear that. (laughs) So, uh, Sam, um, you mentioned earlier that you have really fallen in love with large format photography and that you have been shooting x-ray film in your camera. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So, you know, I actually, uh, I guess my first exposure to large format was a couple years ago. I bought a crown graphic and, you know, I shot a few sheets in it and developed them and, and they turned out great and everything, but I was so busy doing other things. I didn't spend much time in it with it and then oh gosh i guess it's been about a year ago two years ago now actually i was taking a uh, photography class at our local community college and we had to shoot um large format and i had a monorail and my project was like indoor flat lays for a monorail and shot all four by five hp5 developed in my dark room did dark prints and it got pretty comfortable shooting uh, four by five large format during that project. But, you know, I always wanted bigger. I always wanted more. Um, and I've always wanted an eight by 10 camera. So 
here in the last few weeks, I finally purchased a 1902 um, 8x10 camera with a with a brass lens. Uh, has an aperture, but no shutter. Uh, it's f8 to f64, but just a beautiful lens. And um, purchased a backpack so that I could carry it around with me. And you know, I was tripod shopping last year, so I made sure to get one beefy enough to handle you know a bigger camera because I knew this was something I wanted to try. Um, and I've just fallen head over heels in love with large format. It's just been so much fun. Uh, the camera is just a blast to shoot. Uh, you know, it folds down into the backpack and a lot of people would say, well, isn't that, you know, really heavy to carry, but to be honest, it's not any heavier than, you know, say a backpack with my Mamiya C330 and a couple 35 millimeters in it. Um, but I guess one of the big differences with it is. You know, sometimes I only come home with five or seven shots, but they're usually five or seven shots that I'm really excited about, you know, and I can't say the same about 35 millimeter about, you know, coming home with, um, you know, two rolls of film and saying, man, I've got 72 shots and I'm excited about every single one of them and I can't wait to develop them and scan them and, you know, um, but a lot more thought goes into, I guess, the composition on the large format and, um, and I'm just really scratching the surface, but uh, no expert by any means. There's a lot of uh, great resources out there. Really encourage anyone who's interested to look up Matt Mirage's channel, Large Format Friday on YouTube. Uh, Matt Mirage, Ben Horn, there's some other people out there that are just doing a fantastic job getting information out, th out there. And I'm just a sponge. I'm just absorbing everything I can and learning. But um, one of the, uh, I guess, things with large format as a lot of people say wasn't expensive and you know you can get x-ray film um fresh you know brand new x-ray film i think i got some fuji uh, medical x-ray film uh rates at about an iso of 100 and i think the box of uh, 100 sheets was i think just over 40 dollars delivered and even if you want to trim it down in your dark room to fit four by five, you know, you can get four sheets of four by five out of an eight by 10. And that's pretty affordable, really. Mm -hmm. sure. um, there are, you know, there are some considerations with x-ray film. You have to be careful of it. It does have emulsion on both sides, so it can scratch easy. So where, you know, with some films, uh, large format films, you don't have to worry too much about, you know, the back of the film. Where with uh, the x-ray film, you have to be kind of careful loading in and out of your holders. And I uh, tray develop and uh, have sheets of glass in the bottom of my developing trays uh, to kind of protect it from getting scratched. But I develop it in HC110 dilution G. It's a really weak dilution, um, so it takes a little while to develop. But cool thing about x-ray film is you can develop it under red light. You can handle it under red light and you can develop by inspection so you can kind of watch your negative develop and when you you can decide when the development should stop you know you can watch your shadows or watch the areas where you want detail and when you see those details start to emerge then you kind of make that decision to take it out of your developer and put it in the stop and after that it's just uh fix it and wash it hang it and make contact prints so it's something i've really enjoyed i've had a lot of fun with it that sounds really cool. Yeah, incredibly cool stuff. And you've uh, gotten some beautiful results with it. Ah, thanks. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's the 
older camera, it's kind of interesting, uh, you know, with no shutter, you just kind of put your hand in front of the lens and, you know, your hand is the shutter and um, kind of makes it tricky on really bright, sunny days. But, you know, I've mm. shot some paper negatives and I even had some like really expired x-ray film. I think I paid $20 for a box of 100 sheets of uh, Kodak that expired in 1979. Um, after doing some testing, I found that rating that at an ISO of three is, you know, kind of what's been working. Um, so, you know, I kind of use that on the really bright days and I don't have to worry so much about short exposures. Uh, but you can really get some cool looks out of this camera. I bet. Yeah, I bet you that old glass has a lot of character to it. Oh, it really does. And I hate to say it, I've kind of fallen down a rabbit hole. I mean, uh, you know, <laughs> shortly before I got the 8x10, <laughs> I got a 5x7. Uh, the 5x7 doesn't fold down. It's more of a studio camera. Um, and I've you know, recently got a backdrop and I've had some continuous lighting and flash for a while now. So I'm going to start experimenting with some, you know, large format portraits. And then uh, just the other day I picked up, you know, a 1920s uh, 4x5 uh, wooden view camera similar to my 8x10 that will fold down. So I'll be taking that one out on the hikes with me too. So it sounds like you totally have not recovered. Nope, nope, I'm still an unrecovering <laughs> photography addict, that's for sure. But the great thing is, is I've been selling some of my 35 millimeters, and that's been kind of funding the, the passion, so. Yeah. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and, and in a way, I feel like I'm... In a way, I feel like I'm kind of saving some of these old, old uh, view cameras, you know. Did we lose Betsy? No, can you hear me? Uh, not very well. <laughs> okay. Um. Hello? Hello? <laughs> there you are. More technical Is glitches. <laughs> okay. So, how do you go about taking down your large planet Uh-oh. We might have to uh, take a quick break here. Okay. Oh, drat these computers. They're so naughty and so complex. All right. We, I think we have our little technical glitch fixed up. Betsy, you had a question for Sam? Yes. Sam, how do you go about hunting down these old large format cameras? Like, can you talk about your thought process? Do you just look on eBay and say, oh, that looks like a good one? But you seem to be more thoughtful than that. <laughs> I spend a lot of time on eBay. <laughs> and um, and I've done a little bit of research, but I think um, the first thing I would suggest to people is to look for a format that you can readily get film for. You know, so four by five, five by seven, eight by 10. and probably even out of those three i would encourage people to either go eight by ten or four by five because you know the five by seven is kind of it's like right there in the middle and i think if you had all three it's probably the one you would shoot the least and that, that's just my guess but um you know i'd say find a format that you can still get film for and yes it's true you can cut down film to fit any format that's out there but you know who wants to spend i guess all their time in the dark room you know, trimming film down. And uh, if it's an odd 
size, you know, you're going to have some wasted pieces of film that you're not going to be able to use. And film is expensive enough as it is, even some of the cheaper x-ray film. Um, and I, so a good example, I guess, of that is I've seen some really beautiful six by eight cameras um, out of Japan that are pretty reasonable, you know, say a six by eight camera, um, you know, with multiple holders uh, shipped for around $600, which is pretty reasonable for large format camera that size but you know you would have to trim down your film every time you went to load it and um you know with x-ray film you can work under a red light so that's great but say you want to shoot like delta 100 or something like that can't do that under a red light so now you're cutting down this film in the dark and um you know it's a lot of hassle when for a few hundred dollars more you can probably find a good used eight by ten so I think that's the the first thing I looked at was, um, you know, a consistent format. Um, and then the next thing is kind of think about what you want to do with it. Do you want the camera to be portable or do you are you going to just gonna shoot it at home? You know, are you going to do a lot of still lives or maybe just take mm-hmm. it out in your yard and maybe shoot some portraits or something outside? Or do you want to hike with it? So there's, um, you know, some eight by 10 cameras and four by fives uh, say, you know, can fold down and fit into, you know, uh, like a backpack or a camera bag or something. Um, other ones kind of known as like tailboard cameras. They really don't fold down much. You know, the back may compress into the front. Um, but, you know, the base of the camera and the front standard are permanently fixed in that configuration. So. You know, could you put it in a box and put it in your car? Probably, but who really wants to go through that trouble? So kind of think about, are you going to take this camera out with you or are you just going to leave it at home and, and shoot? And that's going to, you know, um, direct you one way or the other looking at your camera. And then I guess think about what kind of movements you want. You know, our all large, large format cameras, you know, they focus by moving the back standard where the film plane is um in relation to the front standard where the lens is so they all move back and forth most of them will have tilt either on the front or the rear standard but not all of them have swing you know which is uh, pivoting the front or rear standard and not all of them have shift which is sliding the front or rear standard side by side and you have to think about like what movements you want um some of the older ones don't have a lot of the movements so my eight by ten you know, I can raise the front, I can tilt the back, and I can swing the back. And that's pretty much all I can do. But that's okay for right now. Um, you know, there's other cameras out there if you wanted to uh, have more movements and, you know, kind of get a little fancier with that, then you can get that. But they usually cost a little bit more. Uh, for a four by five with, you know, all the movements like that, you're looking at pretty close to a thousand dollars or more for a cheap one, a cheap used one. Um, you know, I picked up, I picked up my really nice eight by 10 with, um, you know, with a lens and the extension rail. And, uh, you know, it was a lot less than that. And, um, you know, the next thing I guess is condition, you know, um, there's not really a whole lot that can go wrong uh, with the camera structurally. You know, it's wood and brass. So you could just say, ask the seller, you know, do all the movements work? Is everything solid? Is, you know, any of the wood broken or is any of the wood split? 
you know, the bellows can be replaced on pretty much any camera. You can get custom bellows made for just about any camera for a couple hundred bucks. Um, some are easier to replace than others, but they're all replaceable. And if they just have pinholes in them, um, which both of mine have some pinholes in the bellows, uh, I've heard people talk about using uh, liquid electrical tape to patch the bellows from the inside. Um, but I've also heard people say, just drape your dark cloth over the bellows when you're taking your shot. And that dark cloth is going to block any light from coming in through the pinholes. And that's kind of what I've been doing so far. You know, eventually I'll replace the bellows, but they've got years and years of uh, shots left in them before I have to do anything. You know, they're 120 years old now. I think they'll, they'll last a few more years before I have to put any work into them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, That's if they really uh, made it this cool. far with only pinholes, you'll probably be okay. Yeah. Right. But yeah, my advice would be to find, um, you know, find a good, cheap uh, four by five. Um, you can get four by five film holders that are pretty readily available. You know, x-ray film is cheap. You can cut down eight by 10 and get four sheets out of a, you know, a sheet of eight by 10 for four by five and just practice. Yeah. And I suppose the good thing about x-ray film is you could, you know, see what you're doing in the dark while you're cutting that. Right. Yeah. It's a good way to learn. It really yeah, is. For mm -hmm. sure. And like I said, you can use HC-110 to develop it. It's a really weak dilution, which is going to make your HC-110 last a little while. And uh, it's it's a good, cheap way to learn large format. Yeah, I don't gotcha. think my HC-110 is going to run out anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> I still have the old thick syrup that I bought in 2018, and I got lots of it left. <laughs> yeah, the dilution I use for the x-ray film, I think it's something like just under nine milliliters per liter of yeah. HC-110 to water. No. Yeah, that's not much at all. No, no. Um, so, uh, Betsy, tell us a little bit about why you uh, enjoy press cameras and maybe talk about that a little bit. Um. I, I love photojournalism. Um, I always have. I've always, I've always been intrigued by uh, the ability to capture that moment, whether, you know, um, sports or, you know, wartime journalism or, or just, you know, every day what's going on in the world, you know, you go and, you know, they send the newspaper guy out to take pictures. Um, and I don't know. Um, so unlike Sam, I still have a deep abiding love for 35 millimeter format because of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I was, uh, and I, I kind of realized um, when I started with film after shooting digital and I still do shoot digital. Um, I kind of needed to narrow my focus or else I would be giving Sam a run for his money on the collecting on, on the <laughs> eBay end of things. <laughs> <laughs> so um, my goal, I, I, I kind of made it a goal of, um, I would like a photojournalism camera of, of each film format. 
I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> um, totally so does. I, oh, yeah. I now, I now have a speed graphic, so I'm good there, you know, uh, for four by five. Um, I have my Leica M3, which which was used um, for, you know, in the early days of, fo- of photojournalism in the 50s. Um, I ca- I'm able to count my Rolleiflex in there because of... Uh, Nils Leifer, you know, that, and we all know my love of sports photography, um, but that very iconic photo of Muhammad Ali when he was still boxing as, as Cassius Clay, and he's standing over Sonny Liston um, mm-hmm. with his, with his fist pumped in, in the air. Um, mm. Nils Leifer shot that with the Rolleiflex. Okay. And cool. that, that just blows my mind, you know, like, because you don't think of Rolleiflex being used in, in a sports venue, in a sports application. So, um, you know, so I have shot Friday Night Lights with my Rolleiflex. I've shot track meets with my Rolleiflex. Um, it, it's a challenge, but I've gotten some really neat shots with it. Um, my husband. Oh, and Sher- we can thank Sherry for this one. Sherry was the one who started getting a Nikon that was made in the month and year that you were born. (laughs) (laughs) Which for me, being December 1964, put me squarely in the land of Nikon F, which that camera, you know, that camera saw, that was one of the cameras used through the Vietnam War. Yeah. So I have that, you know, but otherwise, you know, if I didn't have some kind of focus, I would be going off in so many different directions because there's so many cool directions to go to in film photography. Sure. But, yeah, there you is. know, now, like now with my Mamiya Press, I personally, I think that's the camera I'm using for this year's um, Frugal Film Project because, you know, I got three of them and a Holga and a speed graphic for a hundred bucks. So I'm in there. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds frugal to Um, me. Exactly. And I traded one of them to someone for a little uh, Raleigh 35 um, X, which shoots, it's it's a great little camera to take hiking. Shoots great pictures. Um, And I have another one that I don't know what I'm going to do with it. Um, the lens on it has a lot of fungus and I haven't been able to figure out how to take the lens apart to try to address the fungus. And I'm too cheap because I'm not invested enough in a memory press to send it out to have it done. Um, I think the memory press, that whole press term is a misnomer because it is such a klutzy, clumsy (laughs) camera to use. No one in their right mind would ever try to use it in a fast application. (laughs) (laughs) Like you got to pull out, you have to pull out this metal slide um, because the whole thing, it's, it's kind of, um, it's like the poor man's Hasselblad in that it's a modular medium format system. So you can switch out the backs, but with that, you have like a sliding plate you have to pull out so you can take pictures. Okay, the, when we first got these in the fall, um, 
I loaded, I loaded two up with film. I handed one to my husband and I said, let's go take some pictures with it. We both shot half a roll of film and said, oh no, I forgot to take out the plate. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> no. Oh, there's no safety on it. <laughs> no, no. It's, you have no clue. It's a range finder. At this point, they're pretty dim range. Uh, like how I shoot, how I'm shooting it for frugal film project most of the time is I'm just putting that lens on a, on a, on infinity and hoping for the best. Um, so now it's supposed to be similar to the Connie. It, you have it, Sherry. Is it a Connie Omega? Is that the right? It is the Connie now that, Omega. Now the Connie Omega that actually was used by the military. It has, um, and it I, has a shotgun type advanced thing on it. Yes. Yes. And I have, I have a, I have a photographer friend who um, was a 25-year Navy photographer, and he told me stories about hanging out the side of a helicopter shooting with a Connie Omega. Oh, wow. <laughs> but you would never try doing that with a Mamiya Press because of all the shenanigans. You got to go to set the shutter and shoot it and all that kind of stuff. Whereas the con, I think the Mamiya Press was, I'm willing to bet it came after the Connie and was an imitation of it. But I will say this, when it, every, when you, Get the shot right, it takes stunningly beautiful photos. Stunningly. Um, right. The one I'm using is called a Graflex, has a Graflex back. It's a Graflex back that takes 120 format and it shoots a six by seven negative. Okay. The detail is amazing, but it's not a press camera. My Nikon F is a press camera. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still practicing on getting the the Connie Omega to um, uh, what would be the word for it to advance evenly so that when I actually do put film in it, I don't get overlapping frames because if you don't do it the same every time, it won't advance the same amount each time. Uh, I understand that, that completely. Yes. And I will, I have, I have had a little bit, uh, the Mimia press is similar. I've had some roles where there's been a little bit of overlap or there's absolutely no definition between the negative mm -hmm. photos that, yeah. you know, you don't have a line to go by. You, you kind of got to say, oh, this looks good to me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one I've never thing... shot. I'm sorry, go ahead. The one thing that Connie Omega is very reasonable, and I wanted a six by seven camera, so that is why I have it. Uh, yes, they. I think like the Mamiya presses, they're they don't have they're not popular cameras. No, so they can be. Sam, do you want one? You know, I have. <laughs> I've always been intrigued by one, but I've never shot one, but I've always been intrigued by them. They just look so cool. Well, how does this sound? Um, like, do you mean a Connie Omega or a Connie Omega or a Press? Either. A Mamiya Press. Yep. Okay. You are far more talented. Would you like the one that has the fuzzy lens? 
Uh, sure. <laughs> I'll, you know, I'll work out I, something uh, to give you for it. You, uh, you, you know, how does like your love and goodwill sound? But it, I, it, it's a, it's a Mamiya press. Um, I have two backs for it. I have a six by nine back that the film does not advance. And I found that out. Um, maybe you can fix it, but I, I also have a six by seven. And what I also have for it are these little masks that you can put in to turn it into like a six by six or a six by four format. Oh, gosh, that would be fantastic. Yes, thank you. And and I believe the lens on it is a 90 millimeter, probably a 3.5 or 5.6. Okay. Okay. And the the lens is very foggy. The one thing I don't have for you for it is, like, I only have one and I'm going to keep it. it. It's like the little handhold thing that you that you attach it to so you can shoot it and the um the shutter cord because the shutter is on the lens okay. so you know you use you use a release cord that goes from the front of the lens over so you got to figure that out but if you mount it on a tripod you're golden but yeah. i will be more than happy you are getting that with a holga <laughs> <laughs> you're just getting a bigger box now Oh, you are far too kind. I'll, I'll figure out some way to repay you. Uh, uh, you you should have been Dustin Nickerson when I sent him um, a Jobo color developing kit. Oh, wow. <laughs> you you know, should have kept that. Those big things like with the yeah. law. Yeah. Uh, so the, where I got the presses and 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 the. Uh, it, and the other cameras from, uh, and my lights, they gave me that. And it, it, like, you turn it on, everything works. It was just dirty. So I kind of blew the dust off of it, put it in a box and said, Dustin, do you want it? He goes, yeah, how much do you want for it? I go, it's going to be expensive to ship. Just pay for shipping. And he's like, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's but a sweet those deal. Things are like those things are like $1,500 to buy them. Oh, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, even the tanks are really pretty expensive. For sure. They at least are, compared to Patterson. I just, when I got it home, I realized I don't have a dedicated dark room. Like, I just did not have a good place to set it up. Yeah. So I sent it to Dustin. Right. right. Yeah, fair enough. It is a fairly big unit, isn't it? Um, It, it, it is probably three feet long oh my gosh. by 20 inches wide it's it's huge like it has a whole built-in water bath yeah and heater and motor like it's huge it's huge wow pretty fancy mm-hmm. i would never have you a bad log sam just <laughs> no me neither sherry <laughs> You know something I like to me again, it was just a little bit too fancy. Like it, it was just a little bit too much. Like I was like, oh, this is not going to be good. This is not good. Like I, I know I will never use this. Um, the other thing I did get that I use all the time is. Um, one of those rotating tanks, like where I can put my Patterson tank on. Mm. 
and it rotates. I got one of those, and that okay. is pretty cool. Okay. But Sam, Sam, this is this is to thank you for getting me started on brownie cameras because as we speak, I'm cruising Facebook Marketplace looking at them. <laughs> oh, no. uh, well, thank you very much. That's very kind of you. Um, no, it's really not. It's clearing out space in my house. <laughs> <laughs> Got to make room for the incoming brownie collection. That's right. You need another they're so mantle. Cute. Oh, they're just so cute. <laughs> so, uh, so maybe it's a good time to uh, ask the big question. Have any of you guys been gassing lately, except, you know, for brownie, uh, Betsy's uh, brownie gas here, live <laughs> on air? <laughs> um, you know, not um, not really. Um, no. I had a, a buddy selling a Hasselblad a couple of weeks ago, and he messaged me and kind of gave me first dibs on it before he put it up for sale. And, you know, I, I had a 500C and I really liked it. But there were some other cameras I wanted, and I thought, man, you know, I could buy three or four other cameras that I want with the sale of this Hasselblad. And, you know, I've got a Mamiya C330, which is my primary 6x6 camera, and I just absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I sold the Hasselblad, but I came really close to buying his because I there's a part of me that kind of regrets getting rid of it. Um, but fortunately, when I reached out to him the other day, it, it had sold, so I was saved. Um, you didn't have to buy it off them. Yep, I didn't have to buy it off of them, darn it. Um, but uh, no, there's really not much that I'm I'm kind of lusting after. Uh, maybe a couple of more lenses for the large format, but that's that's about it right now. Okay. Is there a particular lens you're uh, going after? Oh man, um, all of them. All of them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. I don't have a Petzval lens yet, and um, you know, since I want to kind of get into portraits, you know, that's one of the go-to lenses, and you know, they're fairly attainable, but you know, still kind of expensive. And um, uh, oh, what is it? The uh, Kodak uh, Aero Ektar. Mm-hmm. Um, oh man, just the the images that 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 lens pulls off for portraits is just amazing. But again. Uh, pretty expensive and and I'm not really set up for that yet but you know I really want to learn wet plate you know I think wet plate is going to be a 2023 endeavor for me so in the meantime I'm just going to uh, you know try to get the gear part of it sorted out so that when I'm ready to learn that I can uh, you know dive right in cool okay awesome we're all going to sounds for portraits (laughs) Come (laughs) come on down I I just have like Sam has like the best like he's got the best toy room ever. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds really bad, Betsy. <laughs> oh, I ooh. Yeah, many, I guess it does. It depends on how many shades of gray are in your toy room. <laughs> oh gosh, that's icky. <laughs> <laughs> oh. They're all 18%, right? I was going to say, do you go for zone five or zone seven? Or... <laughs> uh, that's a good one. <laughs> so, Sam, do you see yourself taking your 
large format with you when you go camping? Probably not. Um, you know, hiking for like a day trip, you know, yes, but, um, you know, having to uh, find a place to put the, you know, the large format negatives to kind of keep them from the temperature extremes, um, you know, to kind of protect the film. You know, we've got a fridge in the Jeep. You know, it's a pretty big fridge, but if we head out for a week, it's pretty full. Um, you know, I'm able to kind of ask for a small little corner to keep my 35 millimeter 120 in there while we travel. But, um, you know, for the first couple of days until we till we start eating, the fridge is pretty packed and there's definitely not room in there for the large format. You know, maybe some four by five, gotcha. um, you know, maybe, but not not much. I'll probably stick to uh, 35 millimeter and medium format for the traveling. But for hiking or for like a day trip or just an overnight, absolutely. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely be doing that. Yeah. So uh, what about you, Betsy? Have you been uh, gassing lately? I'm trying to keep it. Okay, well, we all know that I'm currently on a brownie kick, um, <laughs> which you're welcome. Probably just <laughs> they're so cute and lovable. Not like that Hoga crap. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, well, I, I'm buying a lens on Friday, um, and I'm justifying it because. It's uh, uh, I'm buying a Nikon 85 millimeter one um, eight, mm. and I'm justifying it because I can use it on my D, on my D 500, and I can use it on all my uh, on my other Nikon's. So, is it uh, pre AI AI? Uh, no, no, it it it, it it's um, autofocus. So okay. you know, I'll use it manual focus on my on my f3 and um my f i guess maybe it won't work um but i also have this other nikon that it took me a long time after i bought it to decide i liked it and i actually thought about selling it but it came from canada and i gave it some more chances this uh, this past year and i decided i actually like my f100 <laughs> <laughs> It's a nice really nice camera. Yeah. It is. <clears throat> but I think my hang up with it is. Um, okay. <clears throat> I quilt. And my favorite sewing machine is my 1937 Singer Featherweight. Followed by my 1928 General Electric Sew Handy. Both are tiny little machines. I think part of the attraction for me is I like making old things work. And the and the F100 just felt so modern to me. It really it took me a long time to warm up to it. And uh, this fall, I shot it a lot. And I was like, wow, there's something to be said for this. Yeah, so. it's a slick machine. It is. It is. It takes beautiful photos and when it doesn't it's usually because like with all my cameras it's the user <laughs> <laughs> i hear you there yeah but uh yeah it's just it's it's an awesome camera just to you know toss on aperture priority and just kind of you know walk around burning a roll 
That's what I like to do with yep. autofocus cameras anyway. I never did do that. I threw it on manual and that's where I shot it. I packed yeah. that thing all the way to Mexico and <laughs> it, it, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I don't think I've ever shot at aperture prior. I'm listening to Jake and I'm thinking, would I really shoot aperture priority? I've never <laughs> done that in my life. <laughs> no. Well, I do on some no. cameras. On like um, I'm testing a Rebel G right now, and it only has one wheel, so you have to push a button and to toggle to the other setting. So I don't. <laughs> I'll either put it on aperture priority or I'll put it on shutter priority. I never shoot those on manual because it's a pain. Fair enough. I kind of live on aperture priority. I think uh, with 35 millimeter, it's my favorite. Yeah, I mean. Me too, Sam. If I'm not shooting manual, I'm shooting aperture priority. I guess I'm a control, control freak because I just like to have it on manual. <laughs> I guess so. I I I think I'm just like you, Sherry. Like I want to know when I mess when that picture doesn't come out. It's my fault. <laughs> so let me ask you this, Sherry and Betsy. Um, when you do shoot on manual, do you adjust your aperture first or do you shut your adjust your shutter speed first? It depends on what I want to do with the photo. Ah. Do I want do I want right. blur? Then I want a slower shutter. Do I want uh, like uh, blur in the movement, I mean, or do I want a blurred background? Then I uh, do the aperture. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. I so. I it, it really, for me, it doesn't even become blur or like if I'm shooting sports, I want to set my shutter speed first and then adjust that aperture to where it needs to be. Mm -hmm. um, but then other than that, it, it you know, if I'm shooting something landscapey, I, you know, it, it's going to be, it, it depends on what we're shooting. If I want to show, like, the kids running and I want a little bit of movement in their hands and, and their feet when they're running, then, of course, you set that shutter speed a little bit slower. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. So it, it, all, go, it all depends on what you want it to do. 100%. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. So why would I ever why would I ever let a camera make the decision, Jake? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Betsy, that uh that meter is some good in that F one hundred. It wouldn't hurt to let it make a decision. <laughs> you know, take a little bit of the load off you. You know, maybe this could maybe this could be an experiment for me. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> And you let's might see, go. I let's hate see what the this. camera can do, and if <laughs> and if I, and if I can actually give up the control. <laughs> if you screw it up, you can blame it on me. You know, I never did shoot just, in aperture priority mode until I ran into those rebel Canon rebels with one dial, and it was like, okay, I got to push this button over here, and then toggle. What a pain! So that that was the first time I ever ever used those modes and they do work they're but if i have the option 
and it's not convenience, I'll go with manual. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Everyone's different, I guess. Yeah, they do. Yeah. I know with my I, uh, FM. Yeah, you might as well. Yeah. I know like with uh, with my FM3A, I hardly ever shoot that on manual. Uh, and in fact, I shoot it so much in aperture priority that occasionally I forget that I uh, I move the shutter speed to one four thousand to uh, load the film. And then I'll I'll shoot, you know, a handful of frames at one four thousandth of a second and wonder why my photos are underexposed. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Yeah, I think for my you shooting know, style, I, um, depth of field is kind of like what I'm going for the most. I want control over that. Um, but there have been a few times, like say at the drag races or or something, that I really want to stop that motion. So I'll, you know, adjust the shutter speed first. But predominantly, I'm um, I'm a depth of field guy, and that's uh, I guess that's why I live on aperture priority. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah, me. Yeah. I don't, I don't tend to shoot things that are moving, so aperture <laughs> priority works for me. Uh, I love things that are moving. Sometimes I just don't I get can't, a choice. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> I've got I've got a couple of well, I have a couple of rolls of film. Um, a couple of weekends ago, I we were sort of near Sam in that we were in Ohio. Um, we were in Columbus um, at the Arnold, which is named for Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's a huge weightlifting and powerlifting and bodybuilding competition. And I brought my F3 with me and I shot a couple of rolls of film there. So I'm dying to see what that stuff came out looking like. Yeah, looking forward to seeing the results. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it's color film, so we could be waiting a year or two until <laughs> I get brave. <laughs> yeah, your sports uh, photography is amazing. Yes. Uh, you know, thank you, but it like I like uh, I it, the my bottom line is I I enjoy movement. If I can capture movement, I'm happy. Yeah. If I can capture movement and emotion. Right. So, yeah, definitely excited to see your photos from the Arnold. Yes. Yeah, 100%. It'll probably all be blurry and black, but we can hope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's got to be some winners on there somewhere. You would think so. I, I'm hoping, I, I took pictures of the world's, I I hung out with the world's largest, world's tallest bodybuilder in the world. He's 6'5". Wow. This British person, this British guy named Jamie, he's 6'5", 350 pounds. He's ginormous. And he was kind of hiding where we were hanging out watching something. And I went up to him and I said, while he was eating lunch, and I'm like, can I, you have really cool tattoos. Can I take your picture? <laughs> <laughs> But such a, you know, turned out to be such a nice man. Um, 
And he was like, well, do you want me to put my lunch down? Do you want me to get up and like flex for you? And I'm like, no, I just want to take pictures of you eating lunch. I'm going to get your tats. He's like, cool, this is great. Because most <laughs> people want me to pose. <laughs> yeah, your selfie with him was great. Yeah, that's fun. Oh. <laughs> Always he, good to have fun. He, it, it is. He, mm. he played, um, my son was competing there. And as I was making my way away from him my my Nate was walking up to me and I'm like Nate do you want to meet he goes we already met the two of them went back and forth the whole weekend on Instagram mocking on each other it was hilarious (laughs) (laughs) funny Uh, so anyway uh, I think we have one more question left and then I think we can wrap this up uh, I don't have any more questions no? No. Okay. So we're close to finishing the first quarter of 2022. Um, any personal projects you currently have on the go or planned for the rest of the year? Uh, Betsy, I'll let you go first. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't know if I'm going to be able to pull it off, but I do have a project in mind um, related to frugal film uh project with the with the memia press um i'm kind of uh, um taking a page from uh dan novak's beautiful cyanotypes and i have a project in mind of um you guys if i if it comes to fruition you'll see what the topic is but basically i want to try to um cyanotype with the negatives from the Mamiya press um, onto some fabric and make a shirt. Oh, very cool. Yeah. So I've never done it before. I've never done it before. Um, I'm reading about it. I'm asking Dan some questions about it. Um, Once I get the photos that I want to use, then I'm going to try. I've bought the unbleached linen to use for it um and we'll see what happens but i thought i thought that would all too often i know for me i'm not yet at the point of darkroom printing so i take photos i develop you know i develop my negatives and i scan them and some i'll print from you know my um canon printer but then most of it is just on line and i thought that this might be a nice way of you know saying hey i did something with the frugal film project this year (laughs) yeah it's a great idea it is something different but uh, i'm so intrigued with what um dan has accomplished um that kind of set the wheel is in my head going (laughs) who knows maybe you'll be able to set up an etsy store with some Extras in there. Sherry, <laughs> do not monetize my joy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to fund your photography. <laughs> it, it's a, you know, I, I shoot, I shoot on occasion for the local paper and that kind of keeps me in film money. <laughs> okay. There, yeah, you, there go. you go. But other than that, do not monetize my joy. Yes, ma'am. 
How about you, Sam? Um, I'm going to spend, I think, a lot of this year on large format. And, you know, it's been a couple of years since I put out my first scene. And um, so I've got an idea for, you know, either a zine or maybe even um, more of a book bound project. Um, all that are that would be contact prints of the eight by tens. Ooh, that would be, uh, cool. That'd be cool. You know, I figure, um, you know, it would be, a, you know, a nice size, you know, maybe make like an actual like the eight by ten book. Um, and include some original prints with it when I get it uh, ready for sale. Awesome. Yeah, sign me up for that. Mm-hmm. I'll sign me up for that. Yep, me three. <laughs> <laughs> you got your first three sales. <laughs> All right, sounds good. <laughs> All righty. So, yeah. Well, I guess that probably comes to the end of the show. And I guess we need to get our socials out there. Um, Betsy, how about you? You want to tell us where people can find you? Um, I'm on inst- I'm on Instagram at the dot bkp, um, named by my son, not me. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, on Facebook, Betsy Coral Photography. Awesome, Sam. Um, on Instagram as uh, Unrecovering Photography Addict. Uh, my website, my blog is The Unrecovering Photography Addict. Uh, it's far overdue for an update. And, you know, I've put out one YouTube channel or one YouTube video, and I'm really hoping to put more of those out this year. So, um, so I guess look for uh, postings about that. Awesome. And Jake, where can the people find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Jake Rose Photo, and you can also find me in the Embrace the Grain Photography Podcast Facebook group. And you can find me on Instagram at Sherry Christensen Photography. That's S H E R R Y C H R I S T E N S E N Photography. I know it's long, but if I don't spell it out, you might spell it wrong. and you can also find me over on the frugal film project uh 22 facebook group it's the one with the pink pentax on the cover you can also find us on our website embracethegrain.com and we have an email jake what's that email uh, embrace the green podcast at gmail.com. And we also have a Ko-Fi page, but once again, I forgot to write down what it is. So I'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, everybody stay positive and embrace the green. See y'all in a couple of weeks. Bye for now. Bye. Have a great evening. See everyone. Um, bye. The V, the V, and that's all, folks.